What does filmed for IMAX mean? It isn't just a movie that'll look great on IMAX's screens. It means that hiding from a sandstorm feels like fear in every flicker. And every triumph is felt in every sound wave. And the things we've only imagined, you can truly experience those too. That's what filmed for IMAX means. Get tickets to experience Dune Part 2 now and IMAX's exclusive expanded aspect ratio. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. So I've been working on a musical for the past seven or eight years based on a screenplay I'd written based off of my basement Bhangra years and um, retitled Bhangra Nation. Okay. Uh, and it's going to Birmingham, uh, UK, not this year, but early 2024, so January. Hey folks, it's another Fanboy Friday with me, Shah Jahan Khan. This week's guest is Rihanna Lou Mirza. Rihanna is a playwright, filmmaker, and the founder of the award-winning Desi Pena and Company, a South Asian film and theater company. Rihanna's plays include Hate Fuck, A People's Guide to History in the Time of Here and Now, Soldier X, Tomorrow Inshallah, Neighborhood Watch, and Barriers. She has won various awards with her husband, Mike Liu, including a Mellon Foundation National Playwright Residency. She founded Desi Pena and Company alongside her sister, Rohi Mirzi Pandya, in 2001, where together they produced the popular 7-Eleven series, seven 11-minute plays all set in a convenience store. Her 2005 short film, Modern Day Arranged Marriage, also won the NBC Shortcuts Audience Award. And her feature film, Hiding Divya, had a limited North American release and toured to colleges through a grant from the Asian Women's Giving Circle. My previous guest, Arti Ishaq, mentioned Rihanna's show, Hate Fuck, that Arti was directing in Chicago. And when I Googled her, it turned out I had known of her for many years. Our paths most certainly would have crossed during my early years getting to know the creative space in New York City. I really enjoyed this interview and hope to catch one of her productions really soon. You can read an excerpt of our interview on Rafelion's FON website for Muslim creative projects at createfon.com. That's C-R-E-A-T-E-F-A-N-N.com. More with Rihanna Lou Mirza and me after a quick break. As an artist, you can always at times feel like nothing is within your power. You're always reliant on like a producer coming along or, you know, investors or theaters deciding to do your play. There's so many, I guess, so many different elements and that have to come together for a project to actually be put up. I won't even say successful because you can, you know, work so hard to get something up and at some point you're not happy with it or the audience isn't happy with it and you're happy with it. So there's so many factors at play. But for me, I actually felt very empowered early on in my career when I decided to start just putting up my own work through Desapina, uh, which is a company I founded with my sister, Ruhi, who uh, is more the business-minded end of things. Um, and actually there we met Samrat Chakrabarti because I saw him audition 
for uh, the LARC readings. And I was like, this person is phenomenal. And I want to work with them. So we started, you know, with like small plays and he wrote a musical and just being able to work with people I respected and admired uh, really gave me a sense of, of power, of putting things in my own hands and getting to make my own choices. When did you feel comfortable to, and maybe this is also a question about starting Daisy Pinna, um, when did you feel comfortable to like be your full self and not have to like hide in stuff oh. that people liked or worry about all that shit, you know what I mean? You know, what's funny is that I probably am the opposite of most people. I came out sort of like screaming and then over time realized, oh, people don't want to hear. <laughs> That's very uncomfortable for people. That hurts their ears. Um, and so actually, like my journey has been over time figuring out like what is the perfect combination of entertaining and political and and that's been like sort of uh where i find my sweet spot and sort of hate fuck um which artsy had directed in chicago had its world premiere here in new york at cult core and wp theater with sendal rama murthy and Tavi lanier who both of whom are actors i've known also for a very very long time so it was a great it was so great to get to finally work with them for the very first time but that play in particular i was thinking to myself, how do I talk about South Asian Muslim American identity politics in a way that traditional theater going audiences will be able to hear it, but also specifically South Asian and Muslim American audiences won't feel like it's not for them, which I've found in theater in particular, it's been a very difficult navigation of of that, of plays that either cater to traditional theater-going white, older patrons or community-considered plays that kind of preach to the choir. And so I, I specifically I was like, oh, if I title this play Hate Fuck and look at it as like a one-night stand that turns into a longer relationship, that is a vehicle in which I think is entertaining to me and hopefully that it's universally entertaining while also talking about representation and individual responsibility and how we are seen in media and in popular culture. When was a time, maybe the first or maybe a recent time where you like, maybe with a funder or producer or something where you had to like take a stand in a way and be like, no, I'm going to do it my way. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, you know, it's hard. You don't, uh, again, the journey was learning how not to be rash and throw out everything. Mm -hmm. Just because one thing isn't um, exactly how you had imagined it or pictured it. And a lot of art is about collaboration. And usually the first idea is not the right idea. And like, usually if you're in a group, nobody's idea is the right idea. <laughs> And so it's about that's kind of like the journey that I've gone on to discover uh, the first time I had to. I mean, I've I fought a lot of battles and I and I've always kind of thought through, like, which is the battle I'm going to do this time and pick the most important one. And, you know, it's not even specific to being South Asian or a woman or any of those things. Sometimes as an artist, you just have to pick a battle of 
very simply of like, oh, I don't want to change that word. I don't want to change that line more. You know, I think you can do, I think it's worthwhile. And so, yeah, very early on, those were sort of the battles I was fighting. And then also behind the scenes, trying to fight for more inclusivity, you know, in some of these granting panels, in some of these, you know, funding panels for theater, which I found frustrating and a little disheartening in my 20s because a lot of times they had a cap for ethnic specific this is what they called it ethnic specific specific. oh i love that i never actually knew that i I hate it but i I love that that's what they called it (laughs) yeah it was a little cringy and i uh you know there was a panel i was on at some point and they said is are these too many asian theaters and i was like I was like, like in those words? Yeah. Wow. They're like, we want this to be properly representative. I'm like, have you seen how many? Wow. <laughs> I don't know. I couldn't even speak. I was sputtering at that point. So at the end of the day, I, and then I said, how do you define that? How, how are you saying this is too many Asian yeah. Americans? And, and is like, this too many white? The, uh, I, yeah. yeah. I, yeah. I, and I have said that. <laughs> 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 You know, I think I think sometimes they invited me to the table for diversity, but not realizing that I also brought in a very distinct point of view um, and that and that I would speak up. And I think for the better. And I think things have changed over the past 20 years. Uh, you know, that was like 20 years ago. And I'm and I'm seeing an, an efforts towards, you know, not thinking in terms of those very limiting, marginalizing ways. Uh, but I still think there's a long way to go. That is a perfect segue to my next question. Um, and also because you've done some film too. In I'm interested in a couple of things. Like, where do you see the distinction between um, the whole like representation, whatever conversation in theater versus film? And also where has it gone from when you started Daisy Pena to now? Like, where do you where do you kind of see stuff? Yeah, you know, I think that in film, there's a better understanding of like every piece of art has an audience. You just have to find it. So I do think that there is an investment in that and that there's starting to be investment in that theater as well. Um, I think they're understanding that they need to find new audiences. I think with film, there is so much money at play and it's very commercial. So you sort of the numbers speak there. And unfortunately, you have to keep proving yourself over and over again. So I think that to me is a little bit of, oh, how do we just stop having to prove ourselves and like and always bring in amazing numbers? How do we sort of allow ourselves to have sometimes a soft opening and not have that speak on behalf of an entire like uh, you know ethnicity eraser? Uh, nationality. So I think that's where film could use a little bit more forward-minding thinking. And in theater, I think it's hard because it's struggling right now. Obviously, the past three years, there are no productions, no live events happening. And I think they need to reimagine their model in a way that it's not product-oriented and more community-minded and thinking about where you live and the people that you serve. Um, Because I also believe that because we've been like closed up inside for so long, I don't. I think we we desperately need theater more because we need to have that interaction with one another, that human exchange, 
that visceral processing of emotions. And I really uh, do believe it's important, but because of the financial model of theater, a lot of theaters are struggling right now. So for the future of theater, I think that they need to figure out how to both get government funding and local support, but also, you know, not just throw the baton. Like it's always been seen as like the great white way, you know, for Broadway was a big joke and that's commercial, but like, you know, for even nonprofit theaters, it's always been a certain demographic who was running the theaters and a certain demographic that they were serving. And now that they're struggling, suddenly they're like, let's diversify, <laughs> let's, you know, let's pass the baton. And they give, you know, struggling theater, they give power to a BIPOC artist or a BIPOC administrator. And it's sort of a, it's sort of like they're jumping a sinking ship and being like, oh, now this person made it fail. I've been seeing that pattern happen. So I think we need to find out a way to stabilize theater and then empower more artists of color. Last question, who are maybe two or three people that have inspired you to do what you do now, inspire you now, kind of like who comes to mind? Oof. I think, you know, for me, I look to my peers and look at the work they're doing. And that gives me fire in terms of like, oh, I want to be doing that. But, um, you know, Hassan Minaj is obviously doing a lot of great work. I admire a lot of his work. And then Nida Manzur, who yep. just came out with Flight Society. I mean, that, I just saw it. It was brilliant. So great. Huge fan of their work. And then obviously the, you know, Mater Joffrey was, uh, who was in Hiding Divya, you know, that's a dream of mine to get to work with her because she was such a trailblazer in terms of just making space for herself in a hostile environment. And that really inspires me to just keep, keep going, keep moving forward. Fanboy Friday is a production of Rafaelian Media. It's hosted by me, Shah Jahan Khan, and produced and edited by Ari Mathay. Our theme music was composed by me with help from Nick Sampiello at New Alliance Mastering and features my good friend and longtime musical co-conspirator Tanya Pollitt on vocals. Please follow today's guest, Rihanna Lou Mirza, on Twitter at Rihanna Mirza. That's R-E-H-A-N-A-M-I-R-Z-A. And read more about her and lots of other cool stuff by American Muslim creatives by subscribing now to createfan.com. That's C-R-E-A-T-E-F-A-N-N.com. Thanks so much. See you next time. Okay, here's the situation. Our daughter Mia is leaving for her first sleepover. We have friends coming to stay, and we just got a puppy. So I go on Instacart and solve everything in one order from Kohl's. Fun PJs for Mia. Oh, new bedding for the guest room. And a vacuum cleaner that actually picks up pet hair. All delivered in as fast as 30 minutes. With Kohl's on Instacart, there's no such we can't fix. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum order. Additional terms apply.